0: I hate this town, I hate this fucking town I don't even want to be in this town I know to leave this town going not take this town, I do You know this town must be run its This fucking town, we can leave this town walking on the grass and I've never seen this town She's got dreams too big for this town
1: Hello and welcome to Gotta Get Out of This Town, a 2000 pop punk and emo pop retrospective. I am, as always, the great disappointment, and with me, other songs from this album.
2: I am. Girls Not Grey. <laughs> I didn't know that was the bit we were doing, <laughs> so I don't have the track list. <laughs> <laughs>
1: This is, this is for the audience. I never tell anyone what is the bitch that I'm doing at the beginning of the, the, the recording.
2: <laughs> Sometimes I can come up with a good response quickly enough. Sometimes I have to start going, uh, 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 the leaving song. Given that no one listened to us,
1: most of my objective in, uh, in, this, in this podcast is just, like, to get people. To just, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, make you uh, embarrassed
2: in the middle of the podcast you are going to be very, very challenged to get an embarrassment out of me. <laughs> I'm shameless. Fair.
1: Um, what are we doing today? What, 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 is, what, what is happening?
2: Where are we? What is this? Today we're covering AFI's... God damn it, I'm looking directly at their last <laughs> album's title here. Today we're covering AFI's Sing the Sorrow. Yeah, which is a
1: sequel. Well, it's the record. What is it? So last time we talked about AFI, it was like their previous record, which was... it It had the Halloween cover with the Shy Guys on it. I don't remember the title of the record.
2: It was The Art of Drowning.
1: Yeah, The Art of Drowning. I don't know if we talked about it in the episode, but those are clearly shy guys, right? On the, on the cover of The Art of Drowning.
2: <laughs> those are not shy guys. Those are just... Those, gener- are clearly sh- those are clearly shy guy faces from Mario. None of them have a hood. Fair, but it's the face. It's the muff that they have. No, if we're going there, then we have to talk about shy guyification, which is one of the weirder fetishes. What? <laughs> oh, you, you've never seen that? No?
1: Why? Why would I have seen that? No? What?
2: Do I have to find an example picture? Do do you? I don't know. I don't know if you need to see that or not. That's why I'm asking. I I don't know
1: if I need to see that or not. I probably don't. You're the one who brought up Shy Guys. Yes, because they are they are iconic iconic characters from the hit video game Super Mario Bros. 2, also known in Japan as Doki Doki Panic. Also known in Japan as Mario 2 USA.
2: Let, let me find you. no no. Is it let's an not.
1: actual thing or is it like a post ironic
2: sarcastic thing? Or is it a post ironic sarcastic thing that then became an actual thing? Doing a search right now gets me five pages of results instantly. So uh, it's definitely not an ironic thing. There's a safe for work one.
0: Okay, why do does sh- there
1: a correlation with the uh, shy guys and the increase of breath size and everything size? Shy guys aren't... Like, th- the concept of a shy guy, the essence of a shy guy, the gestalt of a shy guy isn't particularly, like, busty. Why would putting a shy guy mask on would turn the Persona Tree Lady <laughs> into a bastier version of herself?
2: I mean, if you think of them as you know, the little hunchbacky look they have when they're small under those robes is actually just a rockin' ass and anything else, maybe it makes sense. I disagree, but I said maybe. Um Yeah. Um
1: I don't know what to say, let's talk about the history of AFI, or at least let's continue talking about the history of AFI, which we started in the previous AFI episode about the Art of Drowning, which is episode 13. Wow, this was so long ago!
2: Mm-hmm. Over a year. after Drowning Drowning Panic uh, they got their first taste of success with single The Days of the Phoenix and in 2002 AFI was signed by DreamWorks Records as they became more and more of a known name in the scene
1: also they become more and more like Shrek they have
2: layers you're very lucky that I cannot do a Mike Myers impression so yes this leads to them starting to record the album we're covering today sing The Sorrow uh, none of these singles from it will chart on the Hot 100, Girls Not Grey will be close, and quite a lot will get extensive alternative air to play, to the point that I actually still don't like hearing one of these to this day. Uh, this also first put them on the mainstream with a Video Music Awards nomination for the MTV2 Award for being up-and-coming indie artists. For the Girls Not Grey video, their first VMA win.
1: Well, if you're with DreamWorks, you're not indie.
2: You are definitely smaller time than the big pop hits of MTV1 in the 2000s.
1: Oh yeah, I'm just saying, DreamWorks was a major at the time.
2: Once upon a time, DreamWorks could command the respect of millions, but then there were more. You know, there are
1: fun facts about this. The album was released with three different covers, although the... Um, I believe the red one is what was used internationally, but uh, in the US was released with three different covers, with different colors for the text and the logo. Uh, it was a red one, a silver one, and a black one. So this is a nowhere album. This is a clean as a whistle album, except for one track, which is that of Seasons, in which fuck is used twice, once at 1 minute 33, as all of this hatred is fucking real, and later at 2 minutes 52 as because this hate is fucking real. The album managed re- managed to avoid receiving a RIAA parental advisory label by printing the lyric as scoo But in the booklet, mostly because they they thought it would ruin the artwork if there was the parental advisory label on the, on the record.
2: You know, I've heard sillier reasons to try and fight that.
1: It's just very funny to me that, like, this dark of an album has no swearing on it. It's very Dan Housen.
2: It makes perfect sense given that at least one of the videos on it has them getting all dolled up in straight-edge attire, though.
1: Do straight-edge people not swear?
2: I think it's like a version of Degrees. If you are straightest edge, you're basically Christian rock.
1: And moving to the part where we actually talk about the record.
2: As the Italian one, you get to pronounce this first track.
1: Oh shit! Um, so here's the thing: I didn't pronounce it with my Italian. So I said shit because, like, this is meant to be Latin. Latin pronunciation is a, a very debated topic, and there are a lot of reasons. This is stuff that I know only because I know a per- one of my best friend is like one of those people who are way too much into history, but, like, apparently, like, Latin pronunciation is actually very far away to modern um, Latin-based languages, like, from Spanish and Italian and even English. So, like, I can pronounce it how I would pronounce it as an Italian, but it's going to be wrong, because Latin pronunciation was actually very weird, apparently. This is what historic people think. Who knows? I know nothing about history, aside from what I take in by osmosis.
2: I could pronounce it in Klingon, I guess. Go on.
1: Misteria Cantare, the beginning. Is that Klingon, or is that just like burping? It's more like German. Uh, Miseria Cantare, the beginning. So this is, this is an intro. This is like a Viking-ass intro with all the chanting. And uh, this is like power metal record about Vikings kind of intro.
2: Yeah, there's not much to say about this. It is a slow intro track with what is effectively a small chant.
1: Pretty much. I, I like it. Also, like at some point, it sounds like the Terminator
2: music, but that's as an aside. ta 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 Oh, you better believe I recognize the Terminator music instantly. Also known as the Kenny Omega music. Also, someone is in the comments of this track on Genius going, listen to the album in reverse, which would explain a couple of things, but also is stupid, and I'm not doing that.
1: Given their, like, no cursing policy, what's the worst things that can be here if listened to it in reverse? Eat your
2: vegetables? One order, they're saying listen to the tracks in reverse order, which would make sense why the Leaving Song comes after the Leaving Song Part 2. Yeah, but then the beginning is the last track. Yeah, but the beginning of the end can be the beginning. I learned that from the Smashing Pumpkins.
1: Uh, This is a good track. It's a great intro. It really sets the the way darker tone of this record, like, this record sounds very different from the previous record, like, the previous record was a straightforward punk record, this is very much not. This is very, this is, and we'll see in the next track, this is like an alt-rock record with some gut influences and some emo, but it's not really emo in the sense that, you know, it's not really emotional hardcore, if we want to use emo that way it's fine. These are strings, slow drums. This is like... Dun, 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 dun. And then we go to the leaving song, part two.
2: This is the one that I mentioned where everyone gets dressed up as vampires and straight edges up their arms so they can perform on stage.
1: Oh wow, this is so fucking vampire-y. Told you! Okay, so this is, like, we should describe this because I feel that this is, like, their whole character sort of, like, forming here. Like, they had a video on Day of the Phoenix and shit, but I feel they, they find their aesthetic here. But I think they're going to give this aesthetic up by the next record. They're really going for the sort of 2000 version of the goth vampire thing. And I feel this is the first time we see it in the mainstream. Like we've seen it with um, My Chemical Romance, but they were not charting at the time with the record that we talked about. So I feel this is the first time we actually see this kind of like very polished sort of like... Emo, but turned into, like, glam. turning uh, Turned into, like, sexy vampire shit. Kind of aesthetic popping up. I don't know if you remember anything else with this kind of thing that we've seen before. But this feels like the first time this shit is being br- brought in the mainstream. Or
2: at least in the 2000 version. In a year or two, we're going to have Queen of the Damned, which takes Anne Rice's novels and really leans into this vibe. This feels like the beginning
1: of when, like... That kind of, the scene aesthetic, basically. Like, it will evolve from this. This is still, like, the very gothy version of it, but uh, because, look at this video. They're all, like, they're very My Chemical Romance, before My Chemical Romance was big.
2: I think of My Chemical Romance in this era as being more like the school marching band found mascara. I mean, yes, but you're thinking about the Black Parade, though. Yes, because that's where they came onto the scene for me. I Mm -hmm. haven't listened to anything prior to that, and I mostly know they're closing out. You have! We had an episode about it! No, 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 I'm saying, like, in my casual living before we started doing the show.
1: (laughs) Before your life changed forever, thanks to our show. It kind of has, to be fair. Before you became a pop-punk expert?
2: I can now put that on my taxes, yes,
1: see, I'm sure this is a joke, but American taxes are the weirdest thing that I've ever seen, so I would not be surprised if you
2: can put our podcast on them. Oh, yeah, I absolutely can. I've put down money for things, I pay the hosting the The point of American taxes is so that I, a small business owner, can get approached by various news networks to give my opinion on things.
1: I don't think I don't think most most uh American Media networks will really enjoy your opinion on most things. (laughs) You know, it
2: turns out they don't use the footage much.
1: (laughs) I'm pretty sure that they don't really enjoy the whole kill all billionaires kind of thing you've got going there.
2: Well, I don't say that part into a hot mic. What do you think I am, Robert Durst? I don't know who that is. I know about Fred Durst. Robert Durst is the guy who had an entire documentary about whether or not he killed his wife that ends with him not realizing his mic's still on while he takes a piss, and he's like, What'd I do? Kill them all. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. The Leaving Song, part two. That's a good song. At some point,
1: there's The Bridge, which is just Brock Lesnar entrance music, which was weird. But that's fine. But it sort of feels like another intro. This was a really weird choice for a single, I think, because it's not very melodic.
2: I don't know. I think this is a very good way to sell this band to you. I think this gives you a really good vibe of we're gothic alt-rock. Sometimes we're going to be more aesthetic than actual music industry style. And this is a good way to get that out. It's a lesser hardcore track that... uh you can push a lot of aesthetic with. This is getting this band into Hot Topic. You have to keep in mind, at this point, Hot Topic was also starting to turn exclusively from the goth store with hair dyes into your anime clearinghouse, because it was the first boom.
1: Yeah, the two thousand were horrifying. Uh, and then we move into Bleed Black.
2: You don't wanna you don't wanna discuss the fact that this song has a bunch of random bits in Spanish where he's talking about uh dematerializing and coming back from the dead?
1: I have not looked at the lyrics at all, but you can talk about the lyrics if you want.
2: Uh they're mostly goth poetry yelled at you, but there are a few parts where it's just straight up Spanish talking, I've been here before and have returned, or I return here and begin again. <laughs> it's like okay, yeah, cool. This whole thing is about you being some kind of ghost that will not die. Which explains the vampire aesthetic.
1: Oh, I don't know that Berlusconi was the lead singer. Very if I
2: there's not nearly enough sex pestery. <laughs>
1: There was, like, this really fucking grim newspaper excerpt that was like, here's what all of the candidates to the Italian presidency think about gay people. And everyone was like, oh, yeah, they're unnatural, they're, like, they're wrong, they should die, whatever. And, like, the Berlusconi quote was just like, I think it's better to like pretty girls. (laughs) Which was really funny, even though he's a horrifying human being. Yeah, (laughs) It's like... (laughs) Yes, I guess that's what, what I would say.
2: <laughs> if I were a less moral individual, I might resemble Berlusconi more.
1: I mean, I, I think this podcast would be great if you had Berlusconi money.
2: Oh, I thought you were going to say Berlusconi energy. But yes, if I had Berlusconi money, <laughs> that might also help.
1: No, I think that the, the energy would make it worse. The money would make it better. <laughs> I do appreciate your energy. It's the right amount of that. Not uh, too much amount of that.
2: So with Bleed Black, we have to talk about more of the when fans read too much into the text of an album. Oh, is it Genius Time? It's Genius Time. Genius Time.
1: Genius Time. Genius Time.
2: Bleed Black might be the beginning of our reincarnation story. It is said that the album is a complete loop and Miseria Cantare is not the true introduction to the story. Since this has references to heartbeat stopping and heavy breathing, we might be able to assume this song is the stitching or the transitional period between death and birth. In a short film released with this album, Clandestine, which I didn't look up because there's really only so much effort I'm going to do on an album this long, Jade retrieves a box that appears to be a sacred theme throughout the film. It is imprinted with the same leaves on the album cover from a bathtub in an empty house filled with a black fluid, a representation of Bleed Black. The intruder after Jade causes him to try and escape being discovered, so he leaps into the tub and disappears. When the intruder watches, there will be no box and no jade as it drains.
1: Why, why are we doing Kingdom Hearts plots
2: now? I don't know. AFI is a band that very much has darkness energy.
1: Uh, but yeah, did we ever figure out what was in the box in the Kingdom Hearts games? The giant block? Box someone was carrying around and, like, the Maleficent was looking for, I which, think. Which game was that in? That was the, that was the film for the, um, for the mobile game, and 3
2: Oh, Christ, then I don't know. Those are the two games I haven't messed with.
1: Fair. So, <laughs> throughout those games, people are searching for, like, this box... And there's like a scene where someone looks in that box and it's like, oh, what stuff is in here?
2: Ah, uh, but, but, oh my we, God. We don't know. Oh my God. I instantly typed in box Kingdom Hearts and I instantly get a wiki page. The black box is an item introduced in Kingdom Hearts Chi back cover. Originally owned by the Master of Masters, that box was entrusted to Luxu, who oversaw it for centuries. Its content is unknown.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the game's glossary yeah. simply says, Maleficent and Pete are looking for this. Evil thinks it has been hid since the fairy tale era, but no one knows where it is or what it contains. So the entirety of this box is just nothing. We got nothing. We are never telling you. It's never happening. Go away.
1: Sable, do you think that Nomura will leave Plot points alone, they will tell us in, like, ten games. <laughs> in, like, ten years when when Kingdom Hearts 5.5... When that game came out, we will
2: know, and it will be very dumb. You made me look up Kingdom Hearts mobile game lore. Of course!
1: There, there, is, there, is, there is plot relevant.
2: It wasn't when I played the rhythm game.
1: It sort of is in 3...
2: I still haven't played that. It, it,
1: yeah, it's good.
2: All Maybe. I know is that Sora ran off with a cube.
1: They also tried to make Sora and Kyrie a thing again, and they're not a thing.
2: They're clearly not a thing.
1: Like, if you've played all of the previous game, it's like, no. Kyrie is literally
2: just a fucking bedstand with a keyboard, like, on top of it. Well, let's be real. Kyrie is into Sora. I don't know if Sora knows, like what relationships are. I will say this. I do not think Sora is the stupidest person in that universe. That goes to Terra, a character I once described as so dumb he thinks sex involves his key somehow.
1: <laughs> I mean, he could. I don't see why he couldn't.
2: Yeah, but when I said that, I was imagining him sticking his dick through the
1: handhole. <laughs> uh, I don't know why I do this podcast with you.
2: it's only when kingdom hearts comes up i get really funky
1: oh are we ignoring the whole bit about shagification
2: that was just research
1: (laughs) oh what is the next song uh bleed black is fine it's sort of like a bad religion song uh a lot of this record has very Bad Religion vibes, um, they ha- they do the whole, like, chanting and the whole big choruses but with a lot of more gut vibes, you know, it's like Bad Religion but way darker, way, like, sort of melodramatic, it's like theatre kid Bad Religion, basically. Yeah, it's fine, I like the acoustic bit, uh, at some point they go acoustic and it's like, oh, this is very serious, it's very important because my guitar is not distorted anymore. And uh, there's a bit of bat guitar before the chorus, which is a very dark contrast with how bright and, like, sort of, like, pop the chorus is. This is good. I like it.
2: We're still in the early phase of this record where the lyrics are pretty low and sparse compared to some of their prior albums. It's It's interesting because this is a longer song. It's over four minutes. It's not the longest, but... It's also got very sparse, very short verses, and more than a little of it just kind of blends into the background like a murmuring chant.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of, um, they don't always do classic pop structure here. There's a lot of just playing around with music. Again, there's an acoustic bit, there's like some bass guitar. It's very proggy in that way. They just throw everything at the wall in these songs, which is fine.
2: I enjoy it. I agree. It's just sort of hard to discuss, because unless we want to go complete Pizzagate down the rabbit hole discussing every potential theme of this record, like we're a genius annotation, it's really hard to discuss it as a coherent whole track to track. That That, that is fair. Um... They're goth poetry over very dark tonal songs. Okay, um, yeah, no, this is fine. I'm curious
1: to see what happens next, because I honestly thought this was the record when they went really pop, and there is not. This is like... it's not punk. A lot of people didn't like this because it's definitely not a punk record. But, uh, it is, n- it, it is very much like an alternative rock, sort of like, very, very dark, like, sort of gut-adjacent record. And it's fine. I, I really like it. Um, I know that what comes next for them, or at least what comes next in like three years, is Miss Murder, which I remember that song from the radio oh, stuff. Yeah. I don't know if you do too. And that is
2: like, that is pop. That is like straight up pop. So I wonder... Yes. Yeah, their next record is really the breakout.
1: Yeah, I wonder if like the next record is like, all like that, all pop, or if there's gonna be more nuance, because this is not that, like, this is not Miss Murder. This is a lot more interesting than that, I feel. I don't think Miss Murder is a bad song, but, like, this is kind of, like, really good shit, this record. I really enjoy it.
2: The the next one is the... uh, it's not the poppiest song, but it's the most It's the most I'm so goth I shit bats on the record. Especially with the video.
1: Let's talk about the next song. Let's talk about Silver and Cold. I also really like it. This reminds me a lot of uh, All About Eve, which Mm -hmm. is like an old like 80s, 90s sort of goth pop band. Yeah, I I like it. This is very melodramatic. It's very sort of like, as you mentioned, like very goth in almost an exaggerated way. But it's very pleasant. I love how moody the uh, the guitar is in this. Let's get shit. Like... You need to be into this, right? Like, other songs on this record have some sort of nuance and have a lot of, like, genuine darkness to them. This is more the kind of, like, wink-wink, not wink-wink, but like, this is more the kind of, we know what we're doing. This is less evil vampire, more sexy vampire kind of thing, but it works, I, I think this is pretty good.
2: The video is a farce.
1: Do you want to explain it to our audience who did not have the pleasure of watching it right now?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So uh, what the people who were at home did not see is the fact that one member of the band is on a bridge about to jump and everyone gets a phone call and they're going to rush out and save him. And halfway through this, they suddenly get in a car and start doing real bad action scenes. And meanwhile, our depressed friend is... Hucking his things over a bridge one by one to make sure the water's real. Gotta get rid of my coat first. Gotta get rid of this shoe. Oh no, I'm so sad. It's
1: basically a Tokyo Dome Naito entrance. Yeah. for the zero people who listen to us who watch New Japan. And I see you. I see
2: you. All none of you. <laughs> and then, in the last 30 seconds, five feet from him on the bridge... The entire rest of the band crashes into a truck and explodes. And this causes our hero to get off the bridge and not jump. But he might have already been dead because all the people running towards the explosion, one of them just passes through him.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's, um, it's, It's amazing. It's fantastic. It's made better by the fact that All of the car scenes have, like, this really terrible, like, green screen quality to them. Um, It's amazing. I love this video. The song is great. Uh, This is great.
2: Plus, this song just has the chant over and over of Your sins into me! Whoa! Yeah. I I see nothing wrong with this. It's great. It is so (laughs) melodramatic. But it's very catchy in the Mm -hmm. dumbest sort of way. I love this track. This this is great.
1: It's catchy. It's sort of like big. uh, It's very, as as you mentioned, it has a great video. Um,
0: Yeah.
1: If someone is going to criticize this album, this is what they would criticize them, would criticize it
2: for. But also like, fuck off. This is amazing. (laughs) What, What I realized at the end. This is the ballad on this record. Yeah, there's no bad
1: Well, yeah, this is sort of a ballad. It's not slow. It's more of like a kind of anthemic ballad, and it's great. This is like the slowest song. Because when this record goes slow, it doesn't go ballady. It goes like goth. It goes like... It goes dirgy. Yeah, it goes dirgy. It goes like pornography cure. Mm -hmm. Not that kind of level, but still, it goes towards that. Um, yeah. This is the most like pop sort of melodic slow song on it, and it's not really a
2: ballad, but it's ballad of Jason. That's great. It's fun. That's great. It's great. It's fun. And from that, we go on to one of our first "What were you doing here?" moments, dancing through Sunday. Will
1: Through Sunday, I think it ha- it's a really good break in the middle of the album, it's sort of like a um, rock, it's a very like almost Ramones-like rock song, it's almost like bat Ramones, it's like Ramones with bat guitars, I think it's pretty fun, it has the worst solo of the record, it has the most bat solo ever, like this is a solo that Slash would make, which I'm not using it as a compliment, this is a slash-ass dumb solo, derogative, between brackets. Um, but aside from that, this is—I I think this is fun. I think after—I think after Silver and Cold, um, we needed a bit of like energy and a bit of fun, and
2: this does that. It's interesting on a few levels because it's one of the shortest tracks, and yet it still fits in a whole solo and breakdown. Uh, very quick pacing again, coming off of Silver and Cold. And a duet of vocals where we've got, yeah, uh, Davey is doing his standard, whoa, higher pitch that I can no longer hit. And we also have one of the other members of the band just doing a deeper kind of growl on a lot of the lines instead. So it's a really good comparison, as well as just, you know, whatever is going on with that breakdown that just sort of... It's like they didn't want a track to be under two minutes.
1: I think it's more than they're trying to slam a lot of ideas into these tracks. I don't think there's like, a, none of them really worried about how long they are, but I think they had a lot of ideas and just crammed them all into a record, which is not always the best, but I think it works here because it's like a very creative record. There's a lot of they do, even though a lot of it is not always great, but what you going to do?
2: And then comes the big one. Girls Not Gray. Where they are playing a vi- they have a video and they're playing their song in a bathroom, but they're also on the planes of Mars.
1: Yes, this is sort of like the Alice in Wonderland video thing, where they sort of go from, like, a fantasy world from, like, to a fantasy world to, like, a sad city thing.
2: Yeah, this is their big song. And for some reason, ghost mascots are walking into the band members. Also, they're, they're doing blackface. I don't know that I saw that part when I was watching this out of the corner of my eye. Oh,
1: I mean, it's more like um, it's more like the Woodsman from
2: Twin Peaks Season 3 than Blackface, but you know what I mean. I, do you know what? I think this qualifies. It is a poor makeup choice for contrast. <laughs> uh, I definitely instantly see what you're talking about.
1: I mean, I'm sure that's not what they were going for again. You know, I think they were going for the creepy ghost
2: kind of thing, but... <laughs> maybe it could have been handled a little better. Yeah, maybe you could have had shiny silver instead of, um... Whatever this is. <laughs> whoops. Wow, yeah, you're right. It's, it's not in most of it, but yeah, there's definitely that segment there in the bathroom half of the video. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whoops, whoops, whoops.
1: No, as far as, I, as far as I know, Davey Havoc does not have weird opinions about race. Uh, just sort of better choose it at makeup choices. Anyhow, uh, Girls Not
2: Great, it's fine.
1: It's Yeah,
2: this is the most commercial track on the album, and you can see why it won awards.
1: Yep, uh, it's not the best track on the album. Uh,
2: no. The award for best track of the album for me goes for the next song. Uh, actually, yes, that one's pretty much tailor-made for Sybil.
1: Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a big single. It sort of sums up the previous songs, but with a bigger pop polish. Um, anthemic choruses, sort of a bit dark, not as dark as other things on the record. More straightforward, there is less weird shit in this song. Uh, a lot of the other songs on the record are really fun because they have always weird bits in them. Like, the guitar will go very batty at some point, or there will be an acoustic bit.
2: This doesn't have any of that, but... It has been almost 20 years since this song came out, and I still think it's overplayed and don't want to hear it again. Fair enough.
1: Uh, I think that's a California problem, though.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's probably the fact that I listen to alt-rock radio, and, you know, AFI still gets a lot of airplay there, but... Yeah, I mean, that will happen. It will. I don't... Why do you still
1: listen to radio? Radio
2: is old. And I am... Um... I don't know.
1: Old. The joke was old. I know, I know. Yeah, But you have to make it.
2: I never called you old. That is not true at all. (laughs) You have called me a boomer to my face. I don't know. Radio is weird.
1: I don't like radio anymore, I used to to listen to a lot of uh, BBC radio, um, but I don't want to support the BBC anymore, because, you know, transphobic shit, so... Um, Let us talk about that off-season, the best song on the record.
0: (laughs) Yes! The the
1: song goes places, the song goes a lot of places, and they're all great.
2: (laughs) So, first off, this is just a blatant. We're not hiding the metaphor. The song's all about depression. Mm -hmm. And we go from there into the fact that it has a long, moody opening with the bass. Then it tosses it out for a punk speed for a little bit while they're singing the initial chunk. I love both. Mm -hmm. Then it turns into Electronica shortly. And the whole, and let's, sorry, let's specify, before it
1: turns into electronica, there's a a boot honk sound. That's like a, "Mm," which I love. It's like, every song should have a boot honk in it.
2: Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, this, this is a track that is so wild and catered to all of my tastes. This could. And it closes with like black metal echoed screaming. Yeah. That's great. It does, it does everything. And the whole thing is just all about the low points of depression and feeling that, sure, whatever. Let me sink into the ground. I'm fucking done. I'm rotting. Whatever. Sure. All right. That's the whole vibe. There is a power
1: in Vampire the Masquerade. You can sink into the ground.
2: Yes. That is kind yes. of a vampire power in a lot of lore. Yeah, no, this this is probably my favorite track because it's reveling in being such a weird tone. But also, it's the only time we really get into synthesized instruments and any kind of digital performance instead of actual live recording in a studio. And that's something they're going to start playing with more in future. But this one just makes it this weird. It's like the color out of space. It's this thing that is so alien compared to everything around it. And it everything it touches comes back weird. Uh,
1: Jade Padgett, which I think is the guitar player of the band.
2: Yeah, he's the non-guitar player.
1: Yeah, Um, he has a um, synth pop. A uh, project nowadays, which is called Black Audio with a Q.
2: It's not bad, actually. Oh, it is literally Davy and Jade. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm gonna fucking ra- I'm gonna fuck around with this later. Here's a thing you don't know about me that I will actually share without any shame. I have a bunch of leftover CDs that I keep through multiple moves of just random European bands who never moved to a digital presence. Because I will never get back the generic albums of Rupesh Cartel, John D. and Spesh. Uh There's three or four of them where it's like, yeah, it's generic synth pop, but it's my generic synth pop. God damn it. And I'm not letting it fade away into nothing.
1: And then you say that I shouldn't call you a
2: boomer. I am a preservationist and an archivist. Thank you. Okay, boomer. Speaking of other things that have come out of my mouth, the great disappointment.
1: Pretty good. This is feel like what sr 71 tried to do in their records and always failed That This is sort of an alt-rock, batty, slow, sad song and it reminds me a lot of a lot of the bat stuff that was going on at the time, uh, but it's good, it's unique, it actually has some genuine darkness to it and some like heartfeltness and it doesn't feel cynical and it actually nails down the dark tone of the of the mood without going too hard there is like some hard guitars i'm here talking about bad stuff not going too hard which is like yeah great um this is going to going to sound great but yeah it's that kind of alt rock kind of sad song but it nails the the darkness it's not A lot of the, you know, butt rock kind of, you know, this is a sad song. We're manly men, but we have emotions. Always feel cynical. Always feel like, okay, they're either going too hard or not hard enough with the guitars. And it doesn't really ever gel with the rest of... This is perfect. This is what those bands were trying to do. But with a gut edge that really, like, makes it work and makes everything gel together into a whole. This is a good song.
2: So, you're also... Underselling some of the details that make this into the biggest goth dirge on the album. It is the longest track by a mile at five and a half minutes. I'm not. I'm not counting the one that's got multiple tracks glued together at the end. Uh, it is a reference to William Miller predicting the second coming of Christ and failing. Everyone referred to the aftermath of that event as the Great Disappointment, and it destroyed the Millerite faith. The whole thing is very open about just being a dismissal or a crumbling faith. Descriptions of soft creatures draped in white with light kisses gracing me. I remember when I realized dreams were the only place to see them. I always wanted to believe, but from the start I've been deceived. The whole thing is just sheer goth poetry of a child or young man. I'm not saying that Havoc was a child. I'm just saying that is the sort of journey you usually get with this kind of work, where it's I believed and something made me realize I had nothing but a ghost. It's on brand, even if it's not my favorite track. And from that, we have Paper Airplanes, Makeshift Wings...
1: crash 40 song from a sonic game but god
2: this is me talking shit to uh henry kissinger <laughs> okay Go on. dancing in the rain of descending ash dancing on your grave i'll see you all falling dancing in the rain of descending ash dancing in your dust i'll see you all falling i'd stop it had you a heart uh, but no, this is, uh, this is uh, like the punkiest song on the record, and it does
1: sort of in place feel like what if Crash 40 had had seen cats?
2: This should have been in the Shadow the Hedgehog game. Let's be real. Maybe if it wasn't rushed out in a f- broken state, it could have been. There have been weirder things from the pop-punk oeuvre added to the Sonic canon.
1: We do know that Zebrahead did Sonic things. And Hoobastank.
2: So. And Hoobastank. Hoobastank is not pop punk, though. Hoobastank is pop punk adjacent. Hoobastank has pop punk energy, but is not pop punk. Hoobastank is the annoying younger brother of pop punk. <laughs> Isn't that ska? Shit. You're right. <laughs> uh... Uh, I do hate that Paper Airplane starts out speedy and then goes into a slow breakdown, kind of killing what would otherwise be one of my favorite tracks. It just drags for no reason to me. Okay, I didn't feel that, but that's fair. It's a four-minute song that doesn't need to be that long. But yes, next up is This Celluloid Dream.
1: Filler song, it's fine. It doesn't, I don't have anything particularly different to say about it than with the previous song. Uh, The pre chorus is cool, where they sort of tone everything down and make everything really dark before going into the big chorus. That is a cool songwriting trick, but it's fine. It's a bit of a filler. I enjoy this, but I don't have a lot to say about it.
2: Uh, the the lyrics are about how it's decay and everything melts away and turns to dust and becomes nothing but uh, shadows of the original. But in that there is also the fact that I do love this track just because it sounds like a chart I would have to do gallops on in DDR.
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> sure. I, I
2: don't know much about it, yeah, but sure. There is a certain type of beat pattern where instead of it being step, 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 or step, 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 you need to quickly match your movements by sort of galloping, by leaping, and landing both feet in succession in the pattern with the beat. That's it. This has that sort of uh, that sort of pattern to it, and I like it. I think it's a very different melody that goes with the song that would otherwise just be we're all going to get old and die warren is ddr like
1: guitar hero where people make custom charts for it oh god yes could do you figure that this whole record could be played on ddr
2: i guarantee if i do a search right now for afi step files i'll find some Uh, yeah, there are quite a lot. Most of them being used in... uh, There was actually one licensed AFI song. Let me find which one it is. Fuck, it's not giving me the artist. But yeah, they're showing up among at least one of the European releases had some. Either way. (laughs) Yes, that's a a thing that I could go down the hole of, but long story short, yes.
1: Can we expect an AFI DDR stream soon?
2: I do have a pad. I just need to get the space to set it up. I have one of those big steel pads.
1: Cool. You should go into streaming so we can increase our points of user
2: acquisition. You trying to say that without bursting into flames was one of the most awkward things you've ever done, Ellie. (laughs) Oh, come on. I'm great at being evil. I I think you might also just be bad at self-promotion, but that's a different story. Where is next? Oh, it's the soft boy folk ballad next. <sighs> the very minimalist The Leaving Song, Part 1. <laughs>
0: On to,
2: to make like a tree and leave. Uh, the leaving song is incredibly minimalist. It's very quiet. Just a lot of murmured things underneath. Uh, but yeah, when you described it as the soft boy folk track, that's a good descriptor.
1: Yeah, this feels like an Elliot Smith song, but not as good. This <laughs> is like um between the bars but with less charm and less, you know, of that kind of Elliot Smith sort of like simple but functional songwriting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh but who is nowhere?
2: So this track, this title, especially with the uh, trailing period, the, fuck, what is it? It's trailing if it comes after. What is it before? Three dots. (laughs) Well, yeah, with the opening ellipses is, um, it makes me think of Never Go Home by the Cure off Disintegration, but it doesn't have the same... Slow. That's a very depressing atmospheric song where he makes piano sound like rain. And this is a good flow and a shifting sound on the track, but the vocals seem whinier than most, and it has kind of a flat ending to me.
1: Yeah, this is, uh, this is sort of when the record started feeling a bit samey to me, which on the you know second to last track is not bad. For a record that is, has sort of like a lot of a samey tone, it doesn't switch up a lot. It has a lot of ideas, but the tone is very consistent. This is where it started to drag a bit for me, but it's not a big problem because the album is almost done.
2: So on the original release... This was the final track with the last two appended onto it as bonus.
0: Oh,
1: interesting. I think that would have worked. Yes. Shall we talk about this time imperfect, which is on other releases, like the one that you find on Spotify, the last track?
2: Yeah, so that is composed of two tracks. The first half is The Spoken Word, which is just a bunch of poetry being read out by a young girl and then Davy over what sounds like a music box and a number station, respectively. It's. There are some good lines in it. I like it. It feels like it's trying too hard to beat Godspeed, you black emperors, the dead flag blues in places. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: We held hands on the nasty night of earth, our mouths filled with dust. We kissed in the fields and under trees, screaming like dogs, bleeding dark into the leaves.
1: If I wanted straight up poetry over minimalist piano sound, there is better people who do specifically poetry and not punk music that are better at this. <laughs> I don't think this is bad, I just think it's sort of unremarkable poetry. I think it creates a okay mood, but it would be a better mood if there was something more musically going on. Because you mentioned Godspeed Black Emperor, but like, they had a lot going on musically in Dead Flag Blues, uh, which this doesn't. This is sort of like the prinking piano and that's it. And it's like, okay, then I'm going to judge it on the quality of the poetry and the poetry is fine. It's nothing impressive.
2: (laughs) No, it really does feel like someone is just going, I could do that song after hearing Dead Flag Blues the first time. And then it's like, hey, you know what? You know what makes that one hit so hard? It's that it's very sparse. That's uh, the spoken word is incredibly dense and not in a way that makes it feel like it's oppressive. It makes it feel like we just wrote too much and we've got to get it done.
1: I do like the vocal effect applied on the voice for this. I think if the song was there was more musically going on, it would they would create a really cool vibe. But there
2: isn't. It's just piano. And then from there we go to this time imperfect.
0: Imagine how I disappear sings. no one up here. So smart, but I'm too weak. I'd share with you good, I only speak. Just how much this hurts me.
2: This is the breakup song. It's, it's interesting. I don't quite... I think it's a real solid closer. It's low key, but it builds to a couple climaxes in the middle.
1: It's sort of yeah, it's sort of unremarkable. I'm sorry the the last like couple of things on this record sort of like ends with a end with a whimper. This is not doesn't do much for me.
2: I definitely see why you would put these as hidden tracks, not things you're advertising. Mm-hmm. Especially the second, I could see the, um, the
1: spoken word being a cute way to end the record, but the timing perfect is just like a okay track that could have been easily cut from the record.
2: Yeah, and on a couple of printings, it has been.
0: Dress me in scarlet. Ribbons and bows so everyone knows I'm hiding a face hadn't the grace to go free Dress me in shadows Sad April skies have opened my eyes to the lie that I live I'm given the river away.
2: And this is the record. Let's talk about final thoughts. Only once did I find myself going, hey, wait, I I missed a track. And only in one case did I say, oh, this drags. But overall, it is a solid work that could probably be much higher in my rankings with a little bit of judicious editing. Maybe remove a track or two. It's a dense album. I really enjoyed it
1: this is not a very punk or pop punk record especially in structure because there's not there's one big single but there's not a lot of pop going on there's not a lot of like you know kind of catchiness and there's not a lot of songs songs but I was expecting uh um, you know I was expecting a swerve into pop for um for ASI and this is not a This is actually a really cool, like, sort of alternative rock kind of moody,
2: gothic album, and I'm into it.
1: I think this is really cool shit.
2: Um, Please don't take my criticism to mean that I hate this. I think this is an 8.5 or 9 out of 10.
1: Yeah, to me, where uh, their previous record was a solid 4 out of 5, this is sort of Mm -hmm. there. This is between 3.5 and 4. I think I like this a bit less than The Art of Drowning. But mostly because The Act of Drowning was an incredibly consistent record. I don't think it had any low points. This one, they have a lot of ideas and not all of them work, but it's really nice to see something that's very different and very creative for the time that this was released in. I like it.
2: Uh, you telling me that two members of the band went on to have an electronic side project? Is the missing piece I needed between how this album becomes later AFI and what this is all growing into.
1: Maybe next time we talk about AFI, we'll have your thoughts on
2: their on their side project. Uh we will not, because the first album from Black Audio will come out after the next AFI record.
0: Same song, different chorus. So
1: this was an episode. You can, as always, find us at our website, GetOutOfThisTown.com, and, you know, if you're on Apple Podcasts, if you're on Amazon Music, if you're on whatever thing that you're listening on, leave us a review. We like reviews. Or you could email us, but I don't remember our email, so just go on our website, our email is there. Um, do you have anything to plug, Sybil?
2: You can find all of my projects at hellscaper.com. And you can, as always,
1: find me on Twitter at ACCTheMoon. And we do not have a Patreon, but if you want to support us, please feel free to send me like goth makeup and like cool clothing. I need more black in my wardrobe. Have a
0: good evening or night.
2: Or... We're talking goth music, it's definitely the night. It's
0: why it's on your mind. I've got the time to stick around. I'll catch my flight Lake like a pop pumpkin. Get out of this town. What's on your mind? There's no point left to keep your image down. Let's terrify.